us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. The current issue of the ELCA's magazine, Living Lutheran, showed up in my mailbox this week. And as I skimmed its pages, I saw a familiar face. Pastor Emily Norris, who once was my daughter Emma's youth leader at Augsburg in Winston-Salem, was ordained a little over a year ago during the pandemic on Zoom. And the magazine was telling the story of the community that she leads now. The community called The Dwelling is a collaborative effort between the Lutheran and the Moravian churches in Winston-Salem to create a community designed for people who are experiencing homelessness. When Emily was serving at Augsburg, she was part of their ministry of providing overflow shelter in the winter, accommodating people when all the other shelters filled up. And now the dwelling provides free mobile showers as its anchor ministry. But they also provide clothing and toiletries and they are helping refinish affordable housing units in the city for those in need. And in 2020, they rented a space where they now have regular Sunday worship. It's a great story, but it's one that I already knew. I had participated in Emily's ordination online and I've watched the ministry there grow. But what was new to me was John Whiteley's story. John had been one of the men who stayed at the overflow shelter at Augsburg, and he met Emily there. And then when he was found in the church's restroom after an overdose, and he was revived, he thought he had burned yet another bridge, and he would not be welcomed back. As an aside, I hear this a lot. From people right here in our community. Sometimes, admittedly, they have behaved badly and they are banned from returning to the feeding ministries or shelters, but not always. Sometimes soured relationships with others have created barriers that keep them isolated. And sometimes shame cuts them off from the very places that might provide a meal or a bed, safety, and maybe even a community. Anyway, when John saw Emily the next winter, she asked if he would be back at the overflow shelter. And he was surprised, surprised that he would be welcome or wanted, and he was. And since the dwelling opened, John has been involved there, even serving on their council. And last year, John was baptized. As Pastor Emily says in the article, the dwelling is creating a community that accepts the messiness of being human. The welcome that John found at the shelter and at the dwelling was a welcome that he wasn't entitled to have by birthright or by his own efforts, he hadn't done anything to earn it. In fact, some places would have written him off. 
understand what he received was unmerited grace, born out of the spirit of adoption that Paul writes about in our reading today from his letter to the Romans. There he says, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Desire for belonging is universal. God created us for relationship and forms us for community. And by faith, baptism, and the power of the Holy Spirit, we are joined into God's family, becoming God's own children, co-heirs with Jesus Christ, God's Son. We no longer see God as a distant deity or an aloof clockmaker who has set the world in motion and watches from afar. Instead, I imagine that God watches us in the same way that we watch a beloved child riding a bicycle for the first time without training wheels, or playing a sport that they love, or reading a poem they have risked to share with us. God delights in each one of us. In addition to belonging in God's family, Luther said in his explanation of the Lord's Prayer that calling on God our Father means we come to believe God is truly our Father, and we are truly God's children, in order that we may ask God boldly and with complete confidence just as loving children ask their loving father. Love doesn't mean always saying yes, but it does mean listening. God promises to hear our prayers, our rejoicing, and our sorrow. We are not crying out into some empty void. When we pray out loud or silently with words or with sighs, we are in the presence of a loving parent who knows us and wants good for us. And not only us, but also for our siblings in Christ, in our congregation and in the world around us. I met a woman last week who shared a story of the one time she heard God speak audibly to her. She worked in Gaffney, like many of us, she drove a regular route to and from her workplace. And she remembers seeing this one man at one of the crossroads or intersections whenever she passed through. You know him, or maybe not him exactly, but you, he's the person you see with the cardboard sign on the corner of Earl Road. Or the one who stands across from Chick-fil-A at the corner of 74 where the traffic from Walmart comes out, or the one who stands at the off-ramp on the interstate. Anyway, this man was always there when she passed by, and as she drove by, she would say a prayer for his safety. And then one day he wasn't there, 
she was worried for him. Feeling the burden on her heart for him, she spoke to God and asked, God, why do I feel so anxious for this person I have never met? She said she heard God say, because he's your brother, a person she had never met, never did meet, but a person loved by God all the same. In the same way, we are called to love and extend God's welcome to one another, seeing each other as siblings in Christ. Let us pray. God, our Father, thank you for making us your children, co-heirs in your kingdom with your son. Help us embrace the spirit of adoption and the belonging that comes from being in your family. Empower us by your Holy Spirit and open our eyes to see every person first as your child and our sibling. Place the burden of their welfare on our hearts and help us live our lives in ways that reflect your grace and mercy in the world. Amen.